Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your Los Angeles Dodgers. And now, it's time for the Bleed Los Podcast with your hosts Alonso and Juan. And Alicia Del Valle. With the baby face gimmick in the sky, Roger. Welcome to another edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. This week's podcast is presented by our partners at Bet Online. They continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest odds, news, sports developments, including this year's Stanley Cup Finals, all of Major League Baseball, and the latest fighting news, and even next season's early futures. Uh, if you head on over to their website, which is betonline.ag, and you, if you use your mobile device, you can sign up today, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit for using our promo code, which is BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, and you'll get that bonus and get into the action. Ben Online, where the game starts. Huge thanks to them for presenting this week's episode. Uh, this week, stopping by the Canasada, uh, <clears throat> current touring comedian, one of the, the most popular comedians on the planet, and uh, also is going to feature on Paz of Fury, the legend of Hank, Gabriel Iglesias, a.k.a. Fluffy. Gabriel, how are you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for giving me enough time to go get a coffee and get my fix. <laughs> Hey, I, I respect that. If you don't have if you don't have any Java, then you can't be functioning. So I can appreciate that. That's that's my you know it's that or a soda. I just need caffeine. Fair, fair. I, I wanted I wanted to start off with a, with an unconventional question. I want to ask you what it's like to be on a tapatio bottle. You know what? Uh, you know, there's there's the Hall of Fame. There's the Walk of Fame. There's all kinds of awards and and things that you can win and, and you know that you can uh, receive. But being on the on the front of a tapatio bottle was huge. Uh, I love the fact that I'm the first one that, that got that honor, and uh, it's legit. I'm a legit fan of the the brand. I've been talking about them forever. So the fact that they actually put me on the bottle, like wow, that's that's like Mexican royalty right there. That was a, like a like you got the blessing right there. Like yeah, so it was it was cool. At, right up. I mean, my whole family was. They started talking to me again. It was really nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw the bottle and I was like, okay, you you know. You, you you can you can just roll up to a carnesada with your own bottle of hot sauce with you on it, and when you ask people, get us, then they, ah, cabrón, like they see the two. I mean, it, that what more do you want? Yeah, you know it's it's really cool. So uh, and they put, they did it twice. So they put me on one time with my dogs and one time with uh, the tapatio man himself. So uh, you know I, maybe they'll do it a third time. I don't know. I, I don't want to. I don't want to burn something out. So I'm just happy that I got the honor to uh, to be on it at least once. Yeah, no, no, and 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 all things considered, tapatio is a staple in every Mexican household, or Valentina. I mean, either or, right? There, or you know, the OG sauce, the one that your mom made that that you can't give to any of your friends that come over. I'm gonna say tapatio because they're the ones that that allowed me to be on the bottle. Sorry, Valentina, sorry, Cholula. You know, they didn't want me to sink the kayak. Uh, so. <laughs> Well, and uh, and moving ahead, you you, you know obviously your this is a Dodgers podcast. We can't go on without even just talking about the Dodger Stadium shows that you did back in May, and and uh, I just wanted to ask because I mean the the reception was incredible. You know that you had the internet on fire. Obviously, Los Angeles was on fire too. But from your perspective, 
how do you feel about the whole thing? Because you you were the guy. I mean, it's just you on a on a giant stage in the middle of Dodger Stadium talking. How was it for you? It was very surreal, but at the same time, it's like I, I didn't want it to end. And anyone who was there that night knows that, like, wow, he's really like, ooh, they're going to pull him off the stage any minute now. Um, <laughs> I was up there for about two hours and 45 minutes, uh, probably 45 minutes too long. And, uh, man, I was in my feels. It was every emotion you can think of except for the bad ones uh, all at once. It was it was just joy and just everything was just, like, so overwhelming. Um, the happiest cry of my life and the, the greatest moment of my life was being on that stage in front of all those people in my hometown. So, yeah, it was just it was incredible. At, uh, at what at what point did you kind of have that like pinch yourself moment? Because there's obviously there's venues that you play, you know, the, the, the Mecca's right. The Madison Square Gardens, the you know, those types of spots. But there's not really a lot of shows that they do at Dodger Stadium. So kind of what point was it a pinch yourself moment? Like not only did I sell out Dodger Stadium, but I sold it out twice. Uh, you know, a pinch yourself moment was, I mean, you know, it's, they've never had a comedy show there. So we were concerned about how that was going to go over. You know, you're, you're always concerned about, because you, you always hear the, uh, you know, now batting, 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 number 45, not five, five, five. You always hear the echoes and stuff. And you're, you're hoping that it's not going to sound like that, but you know, that's a, it's different when you're on home plate versus being out in the, in the stands where the stage was set up. And so I was concerned about that, but, um, no, at the end of it, man, I'm still enjoying it. And the fact that I can go back and I'm working on the edits right now for the special for Netflix, um, I, I get teared up every time I get towards the end because it's like, wow, you know, I love the fact that I was able to doc. How many people can say they documented the greatest moment of their lives? So no matter what, at the end of the day, I can still go back and press play and relive it. So uh, that'll live with me forever. Yeah, no, hell of a moment. And uh, real quick before I throw it over to my co-host Juan, uh, for all of you that are listening, we're going to have a giveaway. We have a, uh, a signed item from, uh, from the legend himself, Gabriel Iglesias. Uh, if you're watching us on the YouTube, you can see it. It's a signed uh, a card uh, that he signed uh, from the May 7th show. So if you're listening, pay attention. We're going we're gonna to ask for some, uh, for some trivia, I guess, down the line uh, on the social. So, uh, so catch that. Juan, go ahead. Uh, Gabriel, uh, so you were born in San Diego, and then you, you lived in Baldwin Park. You lived in Compton. I, I, this is not, I'm not trying to test you. It's not a gotcha, but (laughs) (laughs) so so I, 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 this is not a gotcha. I just, I, can you finish this sentence for me? El que no conoce el toro no es de. El que no conoce el toro no es de. Santana. Oh, dude. I I never lived in Santa Ana. No. So it's all a lie. (laughs) <laughs> that again uh, it's all a lie i have it that you lived in santana for a minute no uh my i have a lot of iglesias family that lives in uh, off the 22 right there in euclid but uh yeah no 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 I, oh okay so see he, at least he knows watch no 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 let's see i lived in riverside off tyler i lived in baldwin park i lived in um whittier uh i lived in burbank that was a weird one um long beach clearly i lived here and then i moved away and then i came back I lived in, I was born in Chula Vista. Uh, I think I'm missing a city somewhere in there. My mom and I, we, we, uh, I tell people that um, I was born in San Diego and little by little, my mom and I, we migrated north. And when people say migrated, you mean move. I go, no, when you move, there's like a deposit, a moving truck. Uh, you give heads up, you know, there's notice, there's, there's a deposit. No, my mom would wake me up in the middle of the night and say, we, we got to go. And, and we did that for a little while. That's how we ended up in Riverside and Baldwin Park. 
And then eventually we uh, we landed in Long Beach and that's this has been home ever since. So even though I, you know, I've, I've moved out for a little bit, I came back. And so this is where, you know, aquí es donde, aquí es donde caga el toro, if you will. <laughs> so if, <laughs> if you, when you move around like that, I, I mean, how do you identify what your hometown is? Is it just L.A.? I mean, is it Southern California is your home? I mean... What does that do to you? I mean, does it make it things easier for you to go into the unknown? Well, here's the thing is that all of this moving happened when I was a little kid. So it wasn't like, you know, uh, everything that led up to Long Beach basically was, you know, I, I went to school in Long Beach from second grade all the way to, you know, till I finished high school. So it wasn't like I was like a military kid that was like bouncing yeah. around and stuff like that. Long Beach has been home since I've been, what, six, seven so all that moving happened from one to the, like, you know, one to seven. Wow. So, you know, you don't really know. I mean, it's like uh, you have no idea geographically where you're at when you're a kid. You're just kind of like, eh, well, you know, they got more trees here. You're just looking at regular things <laughs> around you. You're not really focusing on, you know, how do I, where do, where do, where's my roots? Where's my, uh, you know, so now, I mean, I've been here long enough to where, no, I'm a Long Beach guy. No question. All right. Hey, graduate of uh, Playa Larga. It's the, Playa Larga, uh, man. It's the Harvard of the Long Beach area. So there we go. (laughs) You you mentioned that you're editing the the Netflix special right now. Uh, I got to ask you this. Can you be the best judge of your own material? Like when you're editing, what are you looking for? Is it particular the timing of the joke, how the joke landed? Or is it more the audience reaction is what's going to set up the cut? What, now, what, man, I'm looking for mocos. I'm making sure that <laughs> there's no floaters, that the shirt looks all right, that, you know, that I don't have, that there's a weird, no, no, but seriously, yeah, mocos, they, they, for some reason they popped up. <laughs> I always do a, a check before I go out on stage. I check my zipper to make sure that that's good. And I always check my nose just in case. And uh, because the screens are really big. And unfortunately, even though I, I did a, a, you know, I always check to make sure everything's okay before I go out there. Because I got so emotional in the first 30 seconds, I created a booger that I didn't know about that that was haunting me throughout the edits. And so you, I turn and you just see it. My manager goes, dude, there it is again. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And I'm like, and I told, you know, I told one of my assistants, I go, hey, I thought we did a booger check. And she's like, yeah, but you're the one up there crying and getting all emo in the first 30 seconds of your special. So that the biggest fight was trying to keep that moco off the screen. Uh, <laughs> uh, as far as material goes, um, you know, I've been working on the set for ooh, about three years now. So uh, leading up to the, you know, to the, the, the night of the show, I already had it very, very tight. It was coming in at two hours, five minutes. And so uh, we knew what was solid. The, the materials, the material, it's, it's been proven. Um, but that night, you know, it went a little bit longer than, than normal just because I was just I was taking it all in and I was enjoying the moment and, and then the drinking at the end that a lot of people won't see. That's definitely what we edited out was the party after the fact. They're like, dude, you drank and, and wouldn't leave the stage for 45 minutes. I go, yeah, I know. I wasn't, I still would, I'd be there now if they wouldn't have kicked me out of uh, <laughs> games. But uh, the main thing that I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about is just making sure that it's the best uh, show for anybody who watches it at home. Uh, if anyone was there that night, you know that I said a few things that were very personal to Los Angeles, and I took them out of the special because I never want uh, anyone who wasn't there that night to know what went down and what was said. It was very much like, this is just for us. And so I'm making sure I, I remove that. 
and uh, just making sure it was a nice tight spec. Cause this is definitely the longest special Netflix has put out. Um, it's, it's coming up on two hours. So wow. it's a two hour, it's a two hour special. And uh, so, yeah. And, and it could have been two forty-five if they would have left it in. They'll, uh, <laughs> so going this mother at the end. So going into that show, did you know it was going to be an emotional experience for you? And, and what caught you by surprise the most? I had an idea that I was going to get, well, of course, man, this is like the, you know, on paper already, it's the biggest thing you've ever, you know, I've ever done. So I knew that um, at some point I was, I was going to get, you know, cause I am an emotional person. I'm a, I'm passionate. I'm emotional. I drink. So yeah, I cry a lot. Um, <laughs> so when I walked out there and I got the, you know, the, the reaction that I got out the gate before even saying anything, man, they got me right out the gate. I was just, I was, I could feel it. I could feel the mocos building. My eyes were getting out, you know? So yeah, that was, that was right out the gate. They, they got me. I, I knew that I was going to feel something at some point. I had no idea it was going to be in the first 30 seconds. Well, at least now you're going to let our audience know they're all going to be doing a moco check when they watch the special on oh, yeah. Netflix. They're all going to be looking for this famous moco. bad, dude. And then also, too, I'm, I'm at the age now, you know, where uh, I got gray hairs. So I might not have hair here, but they're coming out of here now and they're coming out gray. And so every now and then I'm like, I got a moco. And it's like, no, it's a gray hair. So now, now when I when I go get, you know, my head shaved or cleaned up, I got to ask, the, you know, hey, can you can you clean up in there? Like, are you sure? I go. It's time. It's it's a uh, it's a rite of passage. The uh, nose hair trim. Go ahead, Alicia. I mean, how can I follow up after nose hair trim? I, I should just forget it. Um, once again, thank you for being here with us. Bleed Los Fluffy is the only Latino podcast talking about Dodgers, LA culture, and tacos. And I feel like you've done such an amazing job with your career cornering all three you are one of the highest paid actors comedians performers in the world i want to talk about little fluffy when you were a little fluffy little boy and juan brought up how uh you know you moved a lot and you said i wasn't really aware because you were always with your mom let me start by of course you were home because you were with your mom right mm -hmm. like that was always home so little fluffy did you dream about being this movie star? Did you want to be a Dodger baseball player? Did you want to be an astronaut, a teacher, a fireman? Like what, what did little Fluffy want to be when he was little? And what did you dream about? Well, uh, little Fluffy basically wanted two things. He either wanted to be a comedian or a professional wrestler. That was big in both of them. I love comedy and I love wrestling. I still love both. And uh, after my first fight, I realized I, I couldn't handle pain. So uh, <laughs> that, that dream quickly went away. You know, it's one thing to wrestle a pillow or, or you know, put a, put, a, put a dog in a headlock and be like, you're going down, brother. <laughs> and then they put your rib and you're like, oh, well, I can't even, I can't even pin a dog. Uh, <laughs> so, so comedy was, uh, comedy and, and, and pro wrestling were definitely the things that I dreamed about. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, I did have an opportunity to become a school teacher, and that was one of the reasons why I did the show. And 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 we we decided to make me a teacher for that, because that was an actual option in life. Um, did I dream of being a teacher? No. Uh, was it something that I feel I would have been good at? Absolutely. But uh, wrestling and comedy were the two things that I'm like, this. That's my yes. Somehow, I need. I want. I want that. This must happen. So okay. fortunately, I was able to. Uh, you know, I was able to make one of them happen. 
well, uh, not just make it happen, but you are at the top, right? Before I unleash my co-hosts, because once you said wrestling, they are foaming at the mouth. They are such huge wrestling fans. So I'm going to just ask you one more before I toss it back to them. Did you experience any adversity growing up? Like who were your role models where you thought to yourself, I want to be a comedian. I want to be on television because um, you are opening so many doors for so many youngsters by seeing people that look the way we look, by having the last names that we have, by coming from Los Angeles and selling out Dodger Stadium two nights in a row. I mean, these are just, they're not just dreams, they're huge dreams. So did you have any resistance? Did anyone tell you no when you were like, Toma, like I'm gonna do it anyway? Uh, the, those people are called family. My mom was, uh, was, you know, she wasn't against me uh, doing comedy, but she wasn't all for it either. Because at the time I had a really good job and I had benefits and I had, you know, I had insurance. Uh, that's something, you know, she told me, she goes, Mijo, you made it. Like, what do you mean I made it? She goes, tienes seguranza. And when you're young, you don't care about, you know, insurance. You're you're indestructible when you're young. It's not until you get, you know, over 40 or you, you hurt yourself and you realize, oh, wow, that is very helpful to have that. <laughs> Um, you know, anytime you want to do something that's not the norm, you're always going to be met with resistance. You're always going to be met with someone who thinks they know what's best for you. And at the end of the day, only you know what's best for you. And if you just do what, you know, if you do what's safe and you're always comfortable, you're never going to grow. You're never going to get to where you would like to be. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of years of, of resistance, not only, uh, from people, but you know, my, my finances were, were telling me you're not making good choices right now. My, my, you know, when you're borrowing money and you're hiding from people and people are looking for a car and you got to hide the car and you're hiding from people that are leaving notices on your door. Those are also forms of resistance that you have to, <laughs> yeah. I call it, you know, call it inspiration or call it resistance, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, there was a lot of years of, of struggle to, uh, wow. and, and, I, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that it was not easy. I appreciate the fact that it wasn't just one TikTok video that blew this thing up. It was right. years of grinding it and, and struggling. And so I have a different level of appreciation for it because it was a fight, because it was a struggle, because there was a lot of no, 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 no. And I just had to, you know, keep going and keep going and keep going. And, uh, you know, it took 25 years. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if I retire tomorrow, I can say that I ended on the biggest note ever. So, you know, I love that. I appreciate the journey. Right. And. And don't take no for an answer. And now let's talk about your favorite wrestlers. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> well, 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 actually, what I, before we dive into the wrestling, because because I know that that might go off the rails a little bit. Um, <laughs> but you you do so much, right? You do your, your shows, you do sitcoms, you do movies. You know, when do you actually sit down and write material? I, I'm just curious of that because you're so busy and your material's so fresh. When do you actually sit down and like, all right, I'm going to try this out? Um, well, I've never, uh, there's not one bit that I've ever put on paper. I don't sit and write material out. Um, I tried doing that cause that's what everyone else was doing mm -hmm. and it doesn't work for me. I had to sit down and all right, let me, let me get some ideas. Let me brainstorm. And then you do that little bubble and then you put lines and you build little bubbles off of that. And you're like, okay, I'm going to do it like this. 
that did not work for me. I was not very good in school when it came to, uh, you know, uh, reading comprehension, all the book work. I, and not to say that I'm illiterate because I can read. I just, my attention span is very, eh. and then to read something, I'm good for an article. And then I'm like, I'm out. It doesn't matter what it is. I've tried reading books on pro wrestling and I still can't finish a book because I'm like, this is taking too long. Um, <laughs> for me, I go out on stage. Every, every single bit that you've heard me do on a special is something that I've said on stage one time organically, just threw it out there. And it was in the moment and it worked. My process is I record all my shows. So at the end, I go back and I review and whatever's funny I keep and whatever isn't funny, I tweak and I work on until I find a way to pull some funniness out of it. But I don't know if it's funny or not until I do it in front of people. So I can't just sit and watch it and go, all right, this will be better. It's not until I'm up there and the people react that I know, okay, and, and, you know, as long as it's a consistent thing, like I'll do a bit and one night I might get a laugh and one night I might not get a laugh. And then it's not until I do it a few more times that I realize, okay, this is working because I keep getting the same reaction. Fair enough. Uh, for a few more minutes, the Mexican Jay-Z, Gabriel Iglesias, who nice. uh, does, doesn't, doesn't write anything down. Uh, I, I don't. Um, I'm very good about, like I said, recording all my shows. And then I do have someone that will help me as far as structuring. So like, you know, want to make sure that the shows are consistent. Yeah. So I have someone that go, dude, you said that the other night. It went like this. It, the bit was this long. You said it before. It was only this long. And so we got to find a way. So I do have people that I talk to about, you know, structuring and making sure that the bit comes out right. So they, they, they do that part for me because I, I suck at it. And I think it's important that you surround yourself with people that are, are strong in the areas that you're weak in and um, in order to, you know, to, to grow. Um, you can't be good at everything. Right. But, you know, so you, but you have to at least be a good judge of character and a good uh, have an understanding of who you surround yourself with and what are the, the good things, the bad things and what you're willing to work with and what you're not willing to work with. And uh, building a good team is very important. You know, this Dodger Stadium thing and this whole career didn't happen with just one person. There's a lot of people that have come and gone over the years that helped to grow and build this brand and get me to where I'm at today. Yeah, no, and that's one thing. Uh, a shout out to all the ghosts, as as they're referred to in our world. I come from the touring world, so uh, so we are the ghosts, and those are the people that uh, that don't get the the props they deserve. But for the props that are deserved, you did a podcast with Devon Dudley. I am a fan of the Attitude Era and that night, you know, the Monday Night Wars. Juan, get the table. <laughs> you get that, uh, Juan is a uh, is a golden era guy you know it, for the the youngsters uh, that are significantly younger than than I uh, that's the the late 80s early 90s uh, what's your favorite era of pro wrestling oh man I'm right there with the golden area and the attitude area the attitude era that's that's right right there you know and don't get me wrong I'm, I'm you know I, I love wrestling still but it wasn't like it was back then yeah but especially right when um, uh, the end of the golden era and you know the beginning of the next, it was that that time where there was no question. There was there was no um, uh, um, how can I put it? It was still very much like no, this is legit. You know, you would I would get into fights and arguments with people that would question the integrity of, of wrestling, and they're like, oh, you know, that's not you know, it's not real. No, 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 no. Hey, hey, hey. hey. <laughs> you know, like one of my favorite conversations that I got to have was with the late great Rowdy Piper, and he told me he says, man, he goes. They have it easy now. He goes, they know now that it's it's a show. Whereas back in the day, he goes, every night when I went to eat, I had to go to the kitchen and pay the cook not to spit in my food. Because when you were a bad guy, you were 
always a bad guy. And the hatred was that level where people would spit in his food and he had to pay people not to do it. Yeah, uh, a buddy of mine, he wrestles currently in AEW. His name's Andy Williams. His gimmick is the butcher. Uh, he talked to Steve Austin and he said something like that. Like everywhere Steve went, he had to be in gimmick, right? But he just wanted to be a dad to his two daughters just out and about at wherever. And people were like, they, they, you know, he's like, I can't. I, I have to be, you know, the hard-ass Stone Cold Steve Austin, the anti-hero that you see on TV. And now everyone knows it's, you know, we now know. But to your point, too, I remember my dad once, I was like maybe 10, 11. He's like, you do know that that, that isn't real, right? It's like, don't, don't. This is real. It's a begon. No, that little moreton, you know, and, and and to this day he still brings that up. It's like, oh, you still watching that fake fighting? And so, it, yeah, to your point, that's back in the day. It was, it was, it, it was such a, it was so, like, it like wasn't you, sports entertainment back yeah, then. It exactly. was you know, the, like, did you hear the, you know, yeah, you hear the, ah! <laughs> that's no, come on, yeah, it was real, it was real. So, who was your favorite wrestler? I gotta tell you guys this. So, yeah. I fell out of a chair about a month ago. Right. And I landed right, right. I landed flat on my ass, basically, like out of the chair, straight boom, right on the ground. Maybe what a foot. And and my uh, they my I think what did the chiropractor call it? The coccyx bone. It sounds dirty. Oh. but it's, uh, I bruised it. Oh, I bruised it so bad. It hurt for a month. And I'm like, I can't even handle falling out of a chair one foot, much less, you know, like when you see these these people in the ring in and out and. Like I, I saw um, a highlight of a match the other night where, where there was two girls up on a ladder and they fell out of the ring on this ladder and landed on a table. I don't know if you saw that highlight. It was just like, whoa. And man, you know, they, people can say, oh, they're, they know how to fall. No, no, you do enough of those. Yeah. Yeah, those, those are bumps. I, I, I was sick a while ago. I had the flu and I was in bed watching, you know, the Peacock Network or whatever the, you know, the WWE thing is. But I watched uh, the first TLC match. And uh, and it's when Edge spears Matt Hardy. Off the, uh, yeah, the yeah. Whoa. I'm not. No, I, I can't do. No, my back hurt watching that. I can't even imagine how those dudes felt after, like the day after. But in their minds, they're like, "Yo, that a it wasn't scripted, and b it was so sick because we got the pop that we got." And to me, it's just like, "Hey, more prop to you guys," because that just shows how crazy you guys are too. Yeah. Um, can, can I ask a question since sure. all of you gentlemen are such, first of all, I need to learn about more about the golden era, but did you as youngsters all pick out names for yourselves? Like Fluffy, did you have a wrestling name or did you take on a persona and you, and and if you did, I want to see or hear that imitation right now. Come on. Oh man, <laughs> well I was a kid. So, I mean, I didn't sound the way that I sound now. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember if I had a name or not. I just remember that like I was, my Hulk Hogan was like everything for me as a kid. And so I remember that my mom, my mom had a, a jewelry, you know, she had her, 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 you know, her gold chains and stuff like that. And I remember like when my mom would leave to go play bingo or go work or whatever, right? I go in and I grab her, her, her gold chain with the cross on it because Hulk Hogan had the gold chain with the cross and I put it on and then I had cut, I had cut the sleeves off my shirt. And I remember it was like, I was doing poses in the, in the mirror. And then my mom got home and she she saw my my shirt was cut and I'm wearing her chain and she's like, ¿Qué andas haciendo con mi cadena? And I'm like, oh man. You know, I mean, you know, I I you know, I was into it. I was really into it. So it's fair to say you were the fluffster. I was the fluffster. And it's funny because uh, I still get called that from from friends that know that I'm like all into wrestling. They're like, hey, what's up, fluffster? And I'm like, oh, you? Sounds kind of cool. 
Fluffster sounds way better than fluffer because someone tried to call me that. I'm like, you know, that's a totally different profession. Right. Um, still respected, right. but it's very different. You got to make a living somehow, right? Oh, yeah. No judgment, just a different profession. Different. Right. <laughs> Juan, uh, I know, is chomping at the bit because the, the Hulkster is in his fight club. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry, Gabriel. Uh, the pukester to me is, is what was wrong with wrestling. I say that because I was a fan of the Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour, the macho man Randy Savage. Yeah, dig it, brother. Oh. <laughs> so, so, so to me, to me, Savage, Savage was the the top of the, uh, and Savage was the top uh, of that era for me, and. Cream always rises to the top. There you go. The cream of the crop. The cream of the crop, right? So I, I got to ask you this. Aside from Piper, did you have any other encounters with any of those wrestlers that you grew up watching or, or maybe later on? So uh, a really awesome night for me was I was doing a show in Atlanta at a comedy club. And um that's I, I was I was hanging out during the day with Piper. I took him to this place to go get ribs. We we would we went to go eat a couple times. Super nice guy. Um, that same night in Atlanta, there's a lot of wrestlers that live in Atlanta, and um, I'm, I'm friends also with with DDP Diamond Dallas Page. And DDP had two people living at his house that I wanted you know befriending, which was one was Jake the Snake, and the other was the late great Scott Hall. So they all showed up at the same time and and piper wanted to not sit anywhere near them and they wanted nothing to do with with piper which i thought was interesting i'm like okay this is weird i go this is, is this really a, a thing so piper wanted to sit on one side of the room and these guys were on the other and i'm just like i'm on stage and I'm, i cannot believe that they're watching me and then asking me questions afterwards about you know because then jake started doing public speaking at comedy clubs and telling stories and so he wanted to pick my brain about about you know just basically talking for that long because you know as a wrestler they'll cut a promo and the promo is like a minute maybe two minutes it's not an hour and so uh, I thought that was cool that they were all there but I love the fact that there was le legit beef going on and I, I was just like all right guys just you know like in my mind I'm like I hope this pops off right here because I want everybody <laughs> to the fight that happened but at the same time it's like I, I just gotta I want to make sure that I'm still friends with everybody after the fact <laughs> that's awesome because I, I get to tie it all together because DDP tells a great story about the macho man, Randy Savage. And DDP says, if it wasn't for Savage saying he wanted to take the diamond cutter that night at, at I think it was Spring Stampede or something like that, it changed the trajectory of DDP's career. But I think one of the things, I don't know if anybody has seen the documentary, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts. It's, really about, it's about how DDP helped him ddp yoga i mean what ddp has done to help people alone makes him a hall of famer if you don't take into account his his wrestling career i mean what he's done to help i mean the demons that jake the snake has had the demons that scott hall may you rest in peace have uh it's uh th that's great that you got to uh to interact with them i'm gonna segue real quick i i don't know how much more time we have with you but you're one in a you work clean in your comedy. And to me, I think that's very, very difficult. I think it's very easy to follow, especially since everybody, you know, idolized Eddie Murphy, everybody idolized Richard Pryor. You have those guys as a model. I don't think you have that many examples of comics that were clean. That was a conscious choice on your part, right? 
Uh, I was I was given some advice very early on. I'm talking about the first few months of my career. Um, I was given some great advice to just, hey, you're funny, you're likable, you don't need to cuss. Work on just being funny and be yourself and cut out all the cussing. Because I was dropping F-bombs like just every every other word was an F-bomb. And, and they're like, you don't take them all out. Because when you get an opportunity to be on TV, you're going to have to take those words out anyway. So if you're already used to working clean, when you get that opportunity, because you will get the opportunity, you're not going to have to change your set and your set's not going to suffer when you go on TV. It's going to be the same show that you do in the clubs is going to be the same show that comes out on TV. Nice. Wow. That's, that, that's, that's great. I, I, before I hand, hand it over to Alicia, I did want to ask you about your show, Mr. Iglesias. Uh, there's a story about Rodney Dangerfield when he was filming Caddyshack that he thought he was terrible in the movie because nobody was la- laughing at at his performance. And of course, you're on a film set. You're not supposed to make any sound. You don't want to ruin that take. When you do your acting, not only with Mr. Iglesias, but I mean, you're putting everyone to shame in Magic Mike. Nice. When you, <laughs> when you, when well, you, you put the shirt off, baby. <laughs> when you initially started getting acting gigs, did you feel the same way that Rodney Dangerfield felt because you weren't getting that immediate reaction? Like, damn, dude, do I suck? Or, and no one's telling me or what? Absolutely. Absolutely. The first movie that I did was, um, you know, uh, uh, Magic Mike. And so uh, we would have a scene and then I'm looking around and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, was it okay? Was it good? Was it cool? And they're like, yeah, it was great. And I'm like, uh, you know, so I was always, I'm, I'm conditioned to just wait for feedback. You know, if even a, even a sound, oh, oh, okay, any type of feedback, and I was getting nothing, and so it's like, uh, what's happening? And so it felt very uncomfortable. That's why when I got the chance to do a sitcom, I said I I needed to be with the live studio audience so that I can at least get that feedback and know if it's going good or if it's going bad, because then I can edit on the fly and we could change things around in order to make it better. Uh, like for me, I'm scared of single camera shoots and I'm scared of films, especially if it's comedy. If it's a serious role, then okay, that's different. Then you're serious, you're committed, and then hmm. But if you if it requires ha ha, then I'm like ah, uh, I hope that was okay. Because again, I don't know if it's funny until I hear the laughter. Absolutely, go ahead, Alicia. I love it. I, love it. I just wanted to touch up, uh, touch on something that was that a cat? No, it's a dog. <laughs> I thought it was a cat too. Oh, oh yeah, that, right. That not a cat. Okay. Cute. That's Lulu. What I know you Lulu? love dogs. I know I have a Chihuahua too, Fluffy. She's older though. She's 17 and she's kind of ornery. I um, have a <laughs> Chihuahua as well. And yes, uh, the anger is what keeps them alive. Right? That's a, I guess she feeds off of it. I mean, Mexican national dog. Um, so anyway, the another thing that I want to bring up that I'm a huge fan of is your relationship, your connection with your fans. And I, we see it, you know, you just had this massive tour in Europe and I saw that you go on, it feels like almost every day, at least from every time I check your IG stories and stuff and you full on have conversations. You like to say, ask me anything. And you answer all these questions as, is that you? Is that ask really me. you? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and then, you by the bad grammar. <laughs> <laughs> You're so quick, even with your your responses, but the love that they show for you, 
I'm somehow trying to uh, shamelessly being the Homer. I am the Dodger fan. I'm trying to like attach and relate the love that your fans have for you, which is global. You do all your shows in English, right? Um, they, they go up their show. They show up at your shows throughout Europe, uh, wanting to see fluffy. You don't have to learn German, um, Scandinavian or anything like that. And still, so they line up, they buy all your products. Um, some of the guys here, our producer, Fluff, uh, our producer, Fluffy, our producer, baby face. We have your signed bobbleheads. I have a fluffy, uh, the bottle cap magnet for my fridge. So every day and not like in a stalker creepy status, but I think of you cause you're right there. And it <laughs> says, I'm not fat. I'm fluffy as I'm grabbing, you know, food. <laughs> I just wanted to say that I think it's really authentic and special that you have this relationship with your fans and did was that something you purposely cultivated from the beginning of your career um and do you have any plans to kind of maybe channel them into like your own streaming channel what do you have coming up next um well, because that's all, the future right <laughs> first of all thank you that's that, that was that was awesome um uh in, in regards to like in europe uh the shows are always in English. Uh, I, I appreciate the fact that everyone that comes out, the first thing I tell the audience, I go, I, I say, I go, uh, it's rare that I get to perform for a bilingual audience because I understand out the gate that English is actually their second language. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether I'm in Germany or whether I'm in, uh, like, for example, in Spain, in Spain, people are asking me, are you going to do your show in Spanish since, since you speak Spanish? I go, I wouldn't do that shit in Mexico. No, <laughs> my shows in English. People know me as a comic that performs in English. It's uh, don't get me wrong. I've attempted to perform in Spanish. I got a chance to open up for uh, Franco Escamilla in Mexico City. And I tried, you know, I did 15 minutes in Spanish. I thought it went OK, but I did not feel comfortable. Kind of like the same way when he uh, he made an appearance on my uh, couple of my shows. He he wanted to perform in English because that was the challenge. Can I do a show in Spanish and then have him perform in English? And he's like, oh, this is nerve wracking. I go, I know, I feel you. Um, you know, there's a lot lost in the translation, but at the end of the day, I think that when fans are our are, are fans, are, are fans, they they want us to be the way that we are. So I think by me doing my show in, a, in another language would be a disservice to what they expect. Uh, if I was to all of a sudden get political, they would be like, hey, come on, you've never done that. Why are you doing it now? So you gotta just be, you know, give the people what they expect and what they want. And I think you're going to be okay. But yeah, in, in Spain, uh, I did throw in a little bit of Spanish just because I knew I could, but for the most part, I keep the show in English. And uh, if there's an opportunity for me to at least welcome them in their language, like if I can learn a, 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 an opening phrase or something that's local, just to say, be like, hey, I asked, you know, a question, people appreciate that. And they appreciate when you mention local things in their area because it lets them know that you took the time to to do your research just go around enjoy the city not just pop in get a check and leave you know so we right. appreciate that and having a connection with people i think it's important and i think a lot of times um you know people can get caught up in their own kool-aid you know and and i'm very realistic i know all of this can go away with one bad tweet uh so you know it doesn't take a lot to be nice to people the problem that I face is that a lot of times I have people that have certain levels of expectation. And I think that's with everybody. You always have a certain level of expectation. You, you, you see someone on TV and you expect a certain thing. 
maybe pat okay like you know some people are like hey he said hi cool hi uh hi can i get a picture okay cool picture a uh, hi an autograph okay but then there's some that will push it to the next level hey can you get on the phone and talk to my mom hey can you record a video for this and that and some people are cool with that and some people are not and so if you say yes 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 and all of a sudden no now the people look at you like oh so being able to manage the expectations has been very challenging but i know that if i'm out and about you know someone's gonna say hi or want to take a picture or something and i'm totally cool with that if i if i'm having a really bad day because i do have bad days where moments where i'm like i don't feel like i'm a nice person i feel all like ah, ah, ah you know the, this is decaffeinated this is bullshit you know <laughs> But <laughs> I try not to go out in public. I try not to engage with people so that I don't disappoint because I, I don't want someone to have high hopes and then have them feel disappointed. But no matter what, people are still going to find a way to not feel like they got everything that they wanted. But but I try. I do try and I genuinely care, which is why I do my social media the way that I do and I interact. And Hey, what do you want to know? Because by asking them to ask me questions, it at least lets me know what they want to know about me. Things that I can start focusing on for future shows. Like, oh, they want to know more about my dogs. And I'll talk more about my dogs. They want to know about the Volkswagens. Okay, I'll talk more about the Volkswagen. So at least it's kind of like a, um, what do they call it when you're doing a, like a little survey kind of a thing, which is kind of yeah, cool. Like, like research, like a, re yeah. a focus group. A little focus group. So yeah. <laughs> it's nice because, again, they're just helping me create something better that they're going to enjoy. And I think that at this point, I know what they what they more or less would like to see, but I don't want to just continue to do that. I'd like to continue to grow and be more challenging, but I don't want to um, offend uh, by doing something like, you know, politics or all of a sudden becoming the filthiest comic in the world. Because, you know, <laughs> I, I, think of, I think of comedy the same way I think of wrestling, um, the, the branding, the marketing. But I also know that if for some reason the career goes south, I can always do a heel turn and just completely become a com totally different mm -hmm. type of comedian. And, uh, you know, that'll at least give me a little, you know, <laughs> some more tickets before I you know, call it a day. Well done. He's well the done. first guest to mention the heel turn. It didn't yeah. come from us. It came from our guest. You were yeah, making can you imagine though, if all of a sudden, uh, as a comic who's just known to be friendly and, and not, not divisive, if all of a sudden I just started having a hardcore opinion, Right. And and whoa, people are like, ooh, and some people are going to be drawn to that. And so you're going to, some people will go, come, and some people will go. But uh, definitely. That's some NWO shit right there. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is some NWO shit. So something the Fluffster would say. <laughs> something the Fluffster would say. <laughs> I was appreciating all of your food pictures and stories from Europe as well. So maybe that's the next direction. Maybe you get a traveling food show. Or, uh, or I, I had that. I had a, a food show where we were going city to city, state to state. And it sounds cool until, you know, um, I think the part that I enjoyed the most was just the eating. Right. <laughs> but then, you know, you got to uh, you got to go in the kitchen. You got to you know, you're talking to someone. You're, you're trying to engage and sound like you know what you're talking about. I, I don't have any culinary experience. I have a lot of microwave experience and I know how to make a sandwich, but I don't know how to, I don't know what's, what kind of spatula I'm using or the temperature that eggs need to be in order for them to get to a certain thing. So I, I, don't, I can't have those conversations. Uh, so I, I don't want to sound uneducated or, or not familiar. So I'd rather not do it because then people are like, you keep saying the same thing over and over. And, and then they told me that they were playing the drinking game on my, on my show. They said, let's see how many times he says the word amazing in, in the show. And I guess people are getting all torn up because of <laughs> 
because <laughs> I get so crazy because I'm like, well, what do you say? They're bringing out these pastries and they're custard filled. And, you know, I, I, I didn't know how to describe it. You know, I didn't have other words. Because you know, some people you hear them they're like, oh, it's all oh, that you can taste on my palate. I feel they yes, you know, or if you're talking about alcohol, the notes. I'm like, what note? What the hell is a note? Right. <laughs> for, okay, for me, okay, I, I think if, as long as I'm on stage, whether it's a stadium or a comedy club, as long as I'm performing, I'm happy and I'm comfortable. I think the day that I'll stop doing it is the day that that you can't do comedy anymore. Um, someone told me the other day, and and out of they said that you can't say the word spaz anymore. And I'm like, when did that happen? And I'm like, okay, is that recent? And then they told me about this whole Lizzo story. And I'm like, oh my God, I say that word all the time. So I, I can't say it no more. And they're like, yeah, no, it's, that's, it's gone now. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> okay. Well, and, and that scares me too, because we never want to intention. And I'm only saying it now, just as an example. So I know nobody knew, right? Right, no? Like yeah, see? Yeah, I had no, no idea. You know, so make better choices. Right. <laughs> I, I I will remove it from my vocabulary immediately because I didn't honestly I didn't know I had no idea. Can I still? Can I can I still say uh, wait? Am I allowed to say that? Like G U E Y? Well, I was gonna say uh, you know like oh I got a, a back spaz. <laughs> I don't know if you can still say like that, but anyway, that's what makes me nervous is the fact that it's just the, the climate is like, oh, it's scary. I'm hoping that it resets and we go back to a time when you just say whatever the hell you want and it's like whatever. But right now it's like, hmm, because yeah. like I said it the other night at, at Dodger Stadium, I says, you know, I know that based on the climate of now, I could be canceled for previous comedy specials. I says, but how are you going to judge me on that when it was perfectly acceptable at the time? No, so. it should be. It was yeah, so. uh, we'll see. Um, but we'll see. I think that's a great lead into some taco talk, fellas. Wow. Yeah, I, uh, real quick before <laughs> I throw it to the taco uh, talk. Dang, that's hard. English is hard, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask you when you were in Sweden, uh, what cuisine did you eat when you were in Sweden? Because for those of you that have been to Sweden, it's rough in the streets in Sweden. Sometimes, you, you know, if, if you want fermented shark and stuff like that, you can get your hands on that. <laughs> but if you want, uh, you know, get on unos frijolitos con unos huevos, that, 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 that ain't happening. So um, everywhere we went in Europe, the number one thing we always ate was the breakfast because the breakfast was free and epic at all the hotels. <laughs> um, you know, here in America, it's called the continental breakfast. But yeah. in Europe, it's just it's free breakfast. So, yeah, I mean, we were tearing it up. It was really, really good. So, and they had everything. There wasn't like uh, anything that was like, ooh, I've, I've seen that on the Travel Channel. <laughs> uh, I know that certain places the food was going to be, um, you know, maybe not as, as like, okay. Um, so I want to say, like for me, I'm, I'm a big fan of Indian cuisine. So you can find Indian food anywhere. You can find Chinese food anywhere. And those are usually the go-tos. And then, of course, if there's a local burger spot, I, I didn't want to be too adventurous because I didn't want to risk, uh, you know, something not sitting right and then right. Me, me not being able to perform. Um, I do know that in Norway, um, the fish and chips are amazing. They're so good. I had two plates of fish and chips. Really, really good. Um, also, I had some of the best Chinese food ever in Norway. And I'm just like, wow, this is like, wow, okay. It was mm -hmm. No, uh, you know that in Spain I wanted to have a paella, and so I had a paella in Spain, and in uh, in Greece I wanted to have a gyro, straight from the motherland, and I got to do that. So that that was important that I got to try some of the local stuff. But in Sweden, 
yeah, Sweden is just uh, whatever's whatever look friendly I went for, but um, <laughs> no shark, nothing that was on you know the extinct list. Good, no, that's uh, good. Things that are, are you know you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. cancelable. I didn't uh, eat. No, I didn't know eagle eagle uh, omelets or nothing or <laughs> nothing that was like you know, a little bit out there. Oh, I, too- when I was in uh, uh, Iceland. I did try the fermented shark just to try it. That's a that's a huge thing there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'll never happen again. <laughs> I was, when I was in Malaysia, I tried durian, which is that fruit that when you open it, it smells like a rotting corpse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's legit, and I will never do that again. <laughs> um, there was another one that I didn't even get to, but I smelled it in the parking lot, and I'm like, I'm not trying that. And the fermented <laughs> fish smell is a re- like it, it's rough. Like if you if you're ever you know in the Iceland's or the, I've never been to Iceland, but I know like in Sweden and Norway and stuff like that, it's 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 I can't even describe it. It's rough. It it's uh, you're not allowed to take any of this stuff on flights. Yeah, because you will mess up the entire plane. Yeah, you open yeah, up yeah. a pack and it's it's over. It's yeah, yeah it's that scene from uh, what's that movie from years ago? Uh, God damn it! Uh, Airplane. No, the one, the one guy he freaking throws up and he made everybody throw up. Stand by me. Stand by me. Thank you. <laughs> that solid. That's a good one. That's a good one. And then real quick before I throw it to Juan, what was it like? To, I, I noticed you had a subtle cholo pose on the stage in Sweden. What was it like to take the subtle cholo pose to Sweden? Because that, because I mean, it, it's Sweden. Oh, you mean because I did with my feet? I kind of like did a. Did yeah. a I call it the cholo tripod kind of a thing where it's kind of like <laughs> yes. With yes. The lean. I was just trying to take a cool pick, but you know, I couldn't find anything to do with my feet. For some reason with my feet, they're, they're always doing something weird. So I just wanted to lock it in. Well, that's because, you know, being from Playa Larga, that's just in you. It's yeah. You know, you. and now, I mean, like it's hard, it's hard when I go out. That's why people ask me all the time. They say, they say, why do you make goofy faces in all your pictures? Because I'm always like, hey, or, huh? I make silly faces because if I'm not making a silly face, I, I have a mean resting bitch face. And then you add, you add the glasses and I'm in a Dunkin' drive-thru. <laughs> <laughs> and they just think you're the angry guy, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, seen, I've had people at the light when, I'm, when I pull up and, and the, they see me, you know, freaking bald dude, Mexican goatee glasses. And that, that window comes up really quick. <laughs> no. Go ahead, Juan. <laughs> All right, Gabriel, we're going to wrap up the show uh, real quick. Some rapid fire here. Did you feel any pressure playing a Mexican icon like Speedy Gonzalez in Space Jam? Um, I, I, had, I had my reservations about it a couple of years ago when the idea first came up, just because, you know, I wasn't sure how people were, you know, because you know, there was a time when Speedy actually got pulled off a of TV and then they brought him back. And then some people that I would hear and talk to, they're like, yeah, no, he's cool. And then I talked to other people like, oh, yeah, no, he's bad. And so when you're hearing both, it it, it does slow you down from from making a, a decision right away because you want to make sure that you're being cool about it. Uh, at the end of the day, I knew that I was comfortable with them and, you know, iconic and just like, wow, they want me to do it, though. I thought that I had a certain responsibility like, hey, man, you know, it's I'm actually going to be the first Mexican to do the voice. So I was like, all right, let's see how it goes. And uh, and now we're actually talking about doing something more with the character, which I think is great. And and I'm involved in on, in on it. So uh, we'll, there's there's more to come. Speedy right. doesn't just have one game. Uh, did you have any interaction with LeBron? 
No, no, none, none whatsoever. Uh, he was never in the building, never in the room, never in, in the vicinity. Uh, I've never met him, never talked to him. I've never tweeted him. Uh, I get upset for some reason every time he yells out, Taco Tuesday! I'm like, dude. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, he's a businessman, so I, I respect his hustle, but, uh, you know, yeah. Well, oh, that's a perfect segue, uh, Taco Tuesday right there. So on the Bleed Lows podcast, we are all about the Dodgers, we're about LA culture, and we are about taco culture. We call this the carne asada because it's just a little hangout here, you know, and we're talking like we're at a carne asada. So we need to know, Gabriel, what is your favorite taco and where do you go, if not LA, where do you go in Playa Larga to get that taco? Um, it's not really like a, a, an established place. These guys, they move their, their, their truck all the time. They're usually on the corner of Long Beach Boulevard and uh, PCH, right on the corner. Uh, there's a car wash right there. And they usually set up from, I want to say from like 9 to about midnight. And uh, I don't know what they're called, but they just have all kinds of lights all over their truck. Like they, they make it look like a mini Las Vegas right on the corner. You can't miss them. They got a really great Al Pastor taco. Is that your favorite, Al Pastor? Al Pastor, yeah. Nice. And I always don't put two pieces of pineapple. I love pineapple in there. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so now we'll finish up with this, Gabriel. Tortillas de maíz or de harina? It depends on who you're talking to. I love both. Uh, <laughs> but yo soy pocho and I'm proud of it. So the harina way. All right, there we go. <laughs> so you've totally been brainwashed by the uh, the conquistadors, you know, the oppressor. That's the oppressor's tortilla, Gabriel. That's the oppressor's tortillas, the harina. Yeah, the yeah, tortilla, the harina. And this is from a light-skinned Mexican telling you that is the oppressor's tortilla. So just if I'm having a street taco, it needs to be on corn. Let me just say right. it like okay. that. If I'm having a quesadilla, I prefer harina. Yes. When I'm eating a quesadilla made from corn. Uh, corn tortilla, I feel like it's borderline healthy. I don't know why. <laughs> because they're gluten-free. It's gluten-free. It feels like I'm doing something organic. And I don't know. <laughs> uh, just so you know, so Juan has many things in his fight club. The oppressor's tortilla in his fight club. By the club. way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell my family about that. Yeah, oh, the oppressor's tortilla. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. I've uh, I've thrown that out a couple times. I went to a birthday party thing at my mom's, and, and she was making quesadillas. Oh, no, no, tacos like that. And I was like, oye, pero los conquistadores trajeron eso para que como estás haciendo eso and she's like what are you talking about like these are just tortillas so juan has irrational you know things in his fight club uh tom Fuhrer, tortillas hulk hogan those are the three things that are uh the, the three for many reasons the pukester for yeah. many reasons on the pukester and, and don't get him started don't because yeah. he, he will go for hours but uh Gabriel. did at least early hulk hogan do something for you like, like <laughs> Before, no, no let, I'm, sure, I'm sure you've heard a lot of stories about how he wasn't a team player, or yes, how people wrong in the business, or he yeah. wasn't supportive and he wasn't, uh, uh, you know, putting people over the way that other wrestlers would, yeah. Do. That I found that out before you knew all of that. I still you? hated him. I still hated him because he had lust for Elizabeth, Gabriel. You could see it in his eyes. He had lust for Elizabeth. And I hated him for that. And it was just, look, all my cousins, we would get the pay-per-views. We'd go over to the house. Everybody was Team Hogan. Everyone. And I just hated it because he was getting his ass kicked the whole match. And all of a sudden, he starts hulking up, drops the leg, and the match is over. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 
Are you kidding me? So I was always savage. I was always savage. But everyone hey, I run it. That explains the beard, bro. You just got to put on the big glasses. Exactly. Big glasses. I tell everybody. I was like, dude, he has to cut his shirt in order to tear it. That's some bullshit right there. That is some straight bullshit from the yeah, pewster. The, the little V right here. Yeah, see, right. you know it. And oh, one yeah, of our listeners. Another trick. You cut it right there. And then I, I can tear this shirt off one hand. You know it. You know it. That's what he did. This part is really strong right here. So you got to you snip that and then it's it's off to the races. Absolutely. One of our listeners, Jerry Thais, if you hear it, Gabriel just told you the trick. I told him Hulk Hogan did that. And he was just like, you're lying. You're lying. Hulk Hogan would never do that. I was like, Gabriel just confirmed it. Yeah. As long as you remove the neck, you're good. You could tear it off. I, I tell Juan all the time I'm a Hulk Hogan fan just to fire him up because nothing else fires him up more than talking about Hulk Hogan. It's insane. Like he brings up stuff from before I was born. You know, I'm 36. This dude's bringing up stuff from the early 80s. Like, hey, I wasn't even born, but I'm going to go with it. Dude, him. Ric Flair got the business. He understood, hey, See? if I lose a match, I'm going to make more money because we're going to do a rematch. You know the story about, oh, here's my last question for you guys. What is the best WrestleMania? Uh, for me, WrestleMania 25, it was uh, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Uh, since we're on the topic of wrestling, I got to show you a couple cool things here. Uh-oh. <laughs> got some nicknames. Uh-oh. Let me show you this. You guys are going to get a kick out of this. So I got these statues uh, from a company called Sideshow Collectibles. Um, oh, look at that. That's wow. They're massive. They're, they're big. They're freaking big. So it's Ric Flair, Undertaker. Oh, and, uh, and the goat, Steve Austin. Oh, yeah. But I also have a, uh, here in my office, I got a, a wrestling Hall of Fame hallway. Oh! Um, oh my gosh! Really? Oh yeah. we're, we're walking. We're walking. I gotta show you. You're gonna, you're gonna trip. I had no idea I could nerd out like this. So in my <laughs> first of all, look at the name on the door. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. <laughs> that's dope. But then when you when you look at the hallway, see you start looking at the hallway of oh, oh cool. hey Saturday night's main event. That's awesome. That's cool. So yeah, so I got a whole you know mural up here of, of wrestling, and then on the wall here is pictures of of me with everybody you can think there's bruno san martino that's cool you know wow oh that's awesome that's cool look at that that's cool <laughs> i'm a huge yes this is me getting a pedicure with uh with stone cold <laughs> <laughs> oh <my. laughs> yeah. that's Not cool a lot of people can say that but i got i got a pedicure yeah. with stone cold and then you know the wall it goes all the way up so i got all kinds of stuff on on, on the wall right there i wish i could show you more my, my belt. There's Hulk Hogan. Since you want oh, to he's it. got a macho man. He's got a savage up there. Look at that. Hey, not everyone can say they have a velvet painting of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> a velvet painting of Hogan, and I have a, a velvet painting of uh, where's he at? There you go. Razor Ramon right next to it. Oh, that's sick. Wow. He's on this side. Oh, that is awesome. Do you have an Andre the Giant trophy? Is that what that no, is? No, I don't. But I mean, the closest I have is uh, you know uh. <laughs> big this big show holding my dog. <laughs> wow. No, that trophy that you have up there, what is that? I thought that was that Andre the Giant Invitational trophy. The one uh, on your on your right. Let's see. I have more statues. There's Undertaker. Oh, those are statues. Oh, okay. Those are yeah, but no. Oh, those I thought those are trophies. Championship belt. Uh that's the OG belt. One of the OG belt. That's the one that uh yeah. had, uh Shawn Michaels had, Ultimate Warrior had. They call it the wing. The, I think the wingtip, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah the wingtip. Yeah, yeah. wingtip. Oh right now, Alicia's like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" 
You all are so hey, out. I love it. A little bit of trivia for those. That wingtip was made specifically for WrestleMania 4 after the controversy with Andre and Hogan. Ooh, oh, that's, look that's at cool. That. Trans Am. The uh, these two cars are going, on, going on sale next week at the Barrett Jackson auction. Those Damn. Two? Yeah. Oh, no. There's my gem. I barely use it, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but at least you're honest. At least you're honest. And see, I, I you know, I'm not just WWE. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm slowly... Figure. I'm, uh, I'm friends with Jericho. He's super nice. Le champion. And, uh, this is something rare that not a lot of people have, but if you're a wrestling fan, I actually have an autographed MJF picture. That's cool. That's the guy. Well, that's, cool. that's the next dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's the next guy. Um, uh, where's, the, where's the female representation? <laughs> <laughs> hey. What's up, doggy? Oh, look it. Yeah, I, uh, I wish I had a, an office half as sick as that. That's pretty sick. That and is- for for those of you listening on the audio for the podcast, we just got a cribs version from Gabriel of his office. So concise, make sure concise you subscribe concise. to the YouTube. And and the only reason I showed that was because you know it, it's rare that I talk to anyone who's like really into wrestling, and I thought that'd be something kind of cool to check out. No, thank you. We appreciate it. We're way into it. Thanks. Juan hates Hulk Hogan, so I mean that's where we're at. <laughs> But uh, we will wrap it up. Uh, Gabriel, thank you so much for the time. Uh, we all the all the people listening, following, watching, uh, please go follow Gabriel uh, at on Twitter. It's at Fluffy Guy. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's the same on Instagram too. Yes, it's Fluffy Guy across the board. I'm the easiest person to find online if you Google, and I challenge everybody Google the word Fluffy. Uh, I promise you, I am the first thing that comes up. I, I I'm I'm very proud of that. I'm the number one Fluffy thing in the world online. <laughs> So I, I come up before bunnies, quilts, comforters, cotton candy. I'm the number one fluffy thing that pops up. Tortillas. I'm, I come up before the conquistadors tortillas. The, the, the... I'm telling you, the oppressor's tortilla gets Juan riled up as much as Hulk Hogan, and I'm so glad that you're going to run with it now. Yeah. The, the oppressor's tortilla sounds like a wrestling move. That's that's the Fluffsters finishing and move is the oppressor's tortilla. And whatever you do, if you're listening to this, do not Google Fluffer. And whatever you do, if you're listening to this, do not Google Fluffer. Please, please don't. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're with your parents, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do Respectable that. profession, just don't do it. But uh, a big thanks to Bet Online for presenting this week's episode. Uh, head on over to their website, betonline.ag. Uh, if you use our promo code, which is Believe B L E A V, you will get a fifty percent welcome bonus uh, and get in onto the action. So Bet Online, where the game starts. Huge thanks to them, but huge thanks to Gabriel Iglesias for giving us the tour of his spot and for being generous with your time. And hopefully, we can catch you down the road, man. Thank you. You guys are welcome to come down anytime. Well, I appreciate right. the invite. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye, Fluffy. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.